You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Hey, it's Michelle. Welcome back to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about hope. And I know that hope is something that is difficult for us to often grab onto and then to maintain as we're walking through the season as single moms. It often seems like there's always something right around the corner that's there to try to snatch our hope up. And actually, the Bible says that. It says that the enemy is prowling around, always trying to distract us or catch us off guard in a way that would make us doubt, but that we do have a lasting and living eternal hope in Jesus. Now, I will say, though we know that that's the truth, sometimes it is really hard to understand practically how do I just grab a hold of hope in really difficult circumstances, especially when there are things that happen to us and our children that are completely outside of our control. My conversation today is with Jonathan Pitts. Jonathan was married to Winter Pitts for 15 years, and she unexpectedly passed away two years ago in 2018, leaving him the single dad of four girls. In this conversation with Jonathan, we talk a little bit about his journey through single parenthood and some of the ups and downs that he's faced, but also some of the ways that he has actually been able to grab onto hope in this season as he looks to journey forward. I love Jonathan's perspective because he's approaching this as a pastor and a dad, and he just brings a unique angle to this subject because of his experiences in life. And Jonathan also brings a unique perspective as a widower where oftentimes we talk about things like divorce or breakups on the podcast. He also talks about how he's managed disappointment, how he's been able to walk with his girls in such a way that they can also have hope for the future. And his outlook is very honest and raw and refreshing. As we get started on this episode, I'd like to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that works completely on your time. You're able to communicate with your counselor through an app that you can carry with you anywhere on your smartphone. And my counselor actually gets in touch with me when I forget to schedule a session. I schedule video sessions. I'm able to chat with her and leave messages. And it is so helpful to have that help sort of almost on demand so that when I am struggling and when I'm having a down moment, I have someone that I can reach out to that I know is going to be able to give me some wise counsel. Go to getfaithful.com slash single mom today, and you can actually get 10% off of your first month. It is such a worthwhile investment in yourself for your journey forward. So go have a look at Faithful Counseling. In this episode, Jonathan and I will also talk about how to have hope when you're experiencing deep feelings of loss and loneliness. Over at agapemoms.com slash quiz, I've developed a quiz called What's Your Loneliness Type? Being alone can certainly trigger our feelings of loneliness, but it's not the only reason we're having those feelings. While many of us do experience feelings of loneliness, the reasons why are not the same. It's not a one-size-fits-all kind of a thing. So when you take that quiz, and it will only take you a few minutes, you'll actually receive information on the loneliness traps that you are falling into specifically that are contributing to feelings of longing and loneliness. Through the quiz, you'll also gain access to our free resource called The Seven Loneliness Traps. 
You'll be able to download the guide totally for free and look at the seven loneliness traps that you might be falling into, but then also have an exclusive look at some of the ways out. So if you're interested in living a life that's more fulfilling and healing those feelings of loneliness, you can get started by going to agapemoms.com quiz. To tell you about Jonathan, Jonathan Pitts is an author, speaker, and the executive pastor at Church of the City in Franklin, Tennessee. He previously served as the executive director at the Urban Alternative, the national ministry of Dr. Tony Evans. Jonathan has co-authored two books alongside his late wife, Winter Pitts. He's also the president and co-founder of For Girls Like You Ministries, an equipping and resourcing ministry for tween girls and their parents. I'm excited for Jonathan to share with you about the ministry. I know many of us have difficulties in our lives that started with our tween and teen years, and I think the work that Jonathan is doing that winter began is so critical for those of us who are raising young girls to have another voice to speak into their lives. As I mentioned before, Jonathan is the father of four daughters and was blessed with 15 intentional years of marriage to winter. Here's my conversation with Jonathan Pitts. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm just thrilled for this conversation because I think it's awesome to have different perspectives and having a single dad's perspective, a pastor's perspective on some of these issues as it comes to raising our kids as single parents. I think, I mean, that's a new voice. It's something we haven't had before. And your ministry has a huge tie-in for us as moms raising young girls. But I'd like to start with your journey a little as a single dad. And you have a new podcast actually called The Journey, which I think is really aptly named. And in the first episode, you share a quote by Kurt Thompson, which I just totally resonated with. And I wondered if you would share with us that quote and a little bit of how that has formulated your walk with your girls in the last couple of years. Yeah, well, Michelle, it's good to be on with you today um, and really glad to offer my perspective, whatever value that might bring. But yeah, the quote by Kurt Thompson, I'm trying to remember it exactly, but he basically says, I was sitting in a conference. Um, it was uh, winter's f- the day before her, f- what would have been her 40th birthday and about as sad as I'd been in a long time in about a year and a half since she had passed away. And he was talking about uh, us as adults and us as parents owning our, sto- owning our story. And he said, to the, to the degree that a parent owns their story will be to the degree that a child can feel, feel secure in theirs. To, to the degree that a parent can own their story will be to the degree that a child can feel secure in theirs. And it was actually a really beautiful moment for me because um, there's a lot in my grieving journey. I'm a little more than two years in now. There's a lot that I didn't get right. Um, but one of the things when he said that, that I was really grateful for is that as much as possible, I was doing to the best of my ability to own my story, to share my story, to share my story with them, to share how I'm feeling with them. And really ultimately go back to God's word because the basis for everything I believe about life and death, everything I believe about purpose, everything I believe about life after death all stems from this trust I have in the God of the Bible. And it was, it's, it's what I've relied on. And having that perspective allowed me to have a hopefulness that entered my story that I was able to share with my girls and still share with my girls, even through moments of hopelessness that I have and they still have. And yeah, so like owning our story gives them an ability to be secure in theirs. They don't have to wonder who they are, even in the loss. Like they don't have to wonder who they are because I'm not wondering who I am. And I'm not wondering, I don't, it's not like I don't have questions. I have questions about why would God allow Winter to not be here and all these different, you know, different ways you can even phrase that question. But ultimately I'm, I think the health that my girls have right now, which is 
different varying for all four of them, but they're all relatively healthy girls. And I think that starts with me just being okay with owning my story. A, a part of that, and sorry to just drag this on, was never never being in a place where, where Winter's mouth or Winter's name was not safe in our mouths. Like we talk about her in her home. We talk about her life. We talk about her passing. We talk about what happened. We talk about all of it. And they don't have to be afraid of that story. Like it's it's my story. It's their story. We can all own it together. So I rambled for a little bit, but I hope you don't, no, <laughs> don't mind me great. going on. <laughs> No, I can totally connect with that because no matter how you got there, this is a story that is not unfolding the way that you thought life was going to unfold. And it's yeah. not a straight line. Us discovering ourselves in that new season and in that process, we're doing it in front of our kids. It's not easy. But to the degree, as you said, that we can understand that God is still in that story and he's unfolding that story, that our kids can have that exact same experience. Mm -hmm. And they're watching us to know that it's okay, like you said, to talk about these things, to have this story and to not have any kind of shame or just negative feelings that are attached to it. Now, certainly there's going to be feelings they don't want to have, but that they can even feel secure in saying, yes, I feel the same way. And just as we are comforting other people who are maybe going through similar experiences, that starts, I think, at, in the home. But yeah. as far as, you know, that disappointment that we all experience as single parents, that our story did not unfold probably the way that we thought it was going to, what ways has that been true for you? And how have you worked through disappointment specifically in this season and with your daughters? No, one of the things I say this a lot, and I don't know if I read this or if I just made it up, I have no idea. But to me, grief is just journeying through unmet expectations. So whether that be the loss of a loved one um, or an unforeseen divorce or uh, a wayward child or whatever the thing might be like you're 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 having to wrestle through and grapple through expectations you had that changed and so um i had expectations in my life like i thought i'd be married to winter for 30 or 45 years and we were married for 15 years and 27 days and then it literally abruptly ended and the, i say this to my girls all the time now because even now like our life is still changing there are things that happen and um the only thing we can expect in life is for it to change like it's going to change the question mm -hmm. is what are we doing that change? Like, what are we doing as life is changing? And for me, the biggest commitment I had, and I still have, is what I would call the discipline of celebration, which is, um, you know, you think about Philippians 4, 8, says whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And so I choose daily when I wake up to think about the things that are good and right and pure and lovely. There are so many things I can look at. I can think about the fact that winter's not here. I can think about the fact that I'm alone. I can think about the fact that my girls don't have a mom right now. And I can think about all these different things, which are true, but like, it's almost like you have to balance out. You think about all those words, true, right, lovely, admirable, pure. And so it's true that winter's not here. The girls don't have their mom, but it's also true that winter's in heaven and experiencing more of God than she ever has. And it's also true that God still has my girls and he'll be a mother to the motherless and a father to the fatherless. So it's almost like you're constantly having to vet out what is worthy of celebration. And when you get a thought in your head, that's not worthy of celebration, you get to lay it down because Paul's command to us in Philippians 4, 8 is it's a command to whatever is true, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, to dwell on all those things. And so as a part of that, um, I think the other thing that I'm, there's a verse um, in uh, Romans chapter four that talks about Abraham hoping against hope, like just having to trust God in a big way. He could not see uh, his story unfolding, the story that God told him would be his. He couldn't see it unfolding. And it says that he hoped against hope. And so one of the things I, I try to do even now is like hope against hope that that God has a plan that's bigger and greater than what I imagined. And Winter, she was a part of that for 15 years, and she's still a part of that, the great cloud of witnesses, like kind of looking on. Um, but that God has a plan for me and for my girls that 
is continuing to unfold and continuing to unfold with beauty and his love over me and over them. And so it just puts me in a place of like being able to relax, celebrate, trust, and stop dealing with like the negative thought patterns that they always creep up. Like every single day they're creeping up. So I'm not saying that they're not there. Like I'm not perfect, but <laughs> I try yeah. to combat them with celebration. Yeah. Ooh, that's really good. I think, cause I'm always curious, you know, we do read verses like that, but it's like, okay, but how are, how are you doing it? How do you actually mm-hmm. do that? When you see that negative thought pattern coming into your head, how do you stop it? Yeah. Well, scripture also says we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so to take a thought captive is to think it because you can't stop. You cannot stop your mind from thinking a thought, but what you do with that thought and how far you go down that rabbit trail, you really get to choose that. And so for me, um, oftentimes, because it's hard to get out of my head and and like, let's say, for example, I have this thought of um, loneliness, which is okay. Like there's a, there's a beauty in loneliness because you realize like your heart is craving companionship. But if I, if my, if my, if my mind and my heart start going down that rabbit trail, instead of trying to find something to be even, not lonely about because it's hard to not be lonely when you're lonely, especially if your wife's gone. In uh, opposition to that, I actually worship. So I'll just start singing. I'll just start worshiping kind of mm-hmm. under my breath, or I'll sing out loud depending on where I am. If I'm in the shower, it'll be out loud. And it just kind of refocuses my attention on gratitude uh, towards God for where I am. And there's something about that for me, even in, like the earliest days of my grief, that's all I knew to do was worship. I didn't have words. I couldn't read my Bible. I couldn't, there's nothing I could do. The only thing I could do that felt safe and secure and reorienting was to worship. And so I would say like, whatever it looks like for you to worship, sometimes that's singing. Other times it's something else. Like what activities do you do that when you're doing, you feel like you're worshiping God. Another one of those for me is golf. Like it's been a real gift to me in this season. Like I don't have um, a wife at this point. So I've had, you don't realize how much time you have. um, You know, like I don't have a spouse now, like I had, and I have so much time back and I still spend plenty of time with my girls and I still, work a lot. And I still, I mean, I have tons of I'm doing multiple things, but I still have time and God gave me the gift of golf. And when I, when I golf and I'm outside in nature and I'm just kind of working on myself, like, I just feel like in a way I'm able to worship and just be in a place of gratitude. So that's not, it's not always just singing is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. So what is that? What is that for you? What is that for anybody that's listening? Like what's, yeah. what, what ways do you worship God that can take your mind off of those other things? Yeah. For me, I have the same thing, you know, and what you're saying is when you don't have that spouse anymore, that lonely space really can be filled with time with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And however, what I look at is what are the things, what are the interests he put in me? What are the, the skills that I have? What are the talents I have? What are the, the, those unique things that he's giving me now time to rediscover what those things are that I'm enjoying the celebration of my life with him in doing those things. So hiking is a thing for me that I mm-hmm. just love to be out in nature. Same, you know, and whether I'm actually listening to worship music or I'm just totally quiet, just taking in, you know, all the sights and the sounds and that sort of thing. That for me feels like worship. Me doing this podcast feels like worship because I love communicating. I love talking to people. And so it's, and it's things like that. I think that, uh, have a reorientation of new purpose in a season where maybe part of your purpose before, and maybe it will be again, but it's not right now was to be a spouse. And so it's rediscovering what are these pieces that God put inside of me that are reestablishing what his purpose is for me in this season and then in the seasons beyond. Yeah. It's like you get to leverage everything before. So for me, I started writing right away when winter passed because writing is therapeutic for me. Me too. And then writing became worship and it became like gratitude because I wrote out basically every story of what God did and the two-year season um, since losing her. It's actually a book that'll be coming out called My Winter Season. Mm. 
But um, ultimately, I was able to just kind of write and worship God and be productive all at the same time and do ministry. And so I would just ask anybody listening, like, in what ways has God ministered to you that you can now minister to those that who have maybe the same story you have that are a little bit behind you? I had a lady actually reach out on a podcast or on Instagram uh, just a couple of days ago who lost her husband. She's got four kids and she's like just a couple of weeks removed from having lost him. And mm you know, I get to talk to her and I'm, I'm responding to her on Instagram and I'm in tears. I'm responding, remembering God's faithfulness to me and like offering to her the same um, hopefulness and the same confidence that God's going to be faithful to her. And so that's worship. Yeah. That's a verse in second Corinthians. I always butcher the address, but that it says that God comforts us so that we can comfort people comfort in the same yep. way, you know, yep. and that is exactly what that is, is through that pain. And it is in literally the same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you talked a little bit about not doing everything well or right and maybe mm-hmm. making some mistakes in front of your girls. And I know I can relate to that too. Can you talk a little bit, will you talk a little bit about some of those? I don't like to call them mistakes. I like to say lessons we learned the hard way yeah. and you know um, how you've navigated that. Yeah, I'll share two right now. One is, um, you know, right after I lost winter, I think it was like my holy imagination knew that God had to have a plan. And so in my mind, I'm trying to, un- I'm trying to unpack what that might be in like the earliest days after losing her and not just taking time to grieve. I'm like, I'm going to be okay. I'm type A, I can get through this. And so there were probably a period of like, and then this is probably a lot of people because you're almost, you're almost walking in like unbelief about the circumstance you're in, but probably the first five months. You're in survival mode right away. Yeah. Yeah. First five months, I'm just trying to figure out how to get out of where I am. And it wouldn't be, she died in July of 18. It wouldn't be till January of 19, where I just felt like, okay, I'm going to just own where I am. I'm going to be where I am. I, my counselor said at one point that, you know, and sometimes in grief or sometimes in disaster, we either want to stay in the past, which is impossible. And other times, we, and, and uh, that's almost like, um, you know, sadness and um, just staying, staying where you were. And then the other tendency is to run into the future. That's my tendency is to run into the future, which is basically anxiety, like trying to control what you can't control. And so he said, but God is only in the present. And so your job is just to be present, like not to be in the past, not be in the future. You can look back at the past, you be grateful for the past. You can look with hope towards the future, but you have to be present. And I really struggled to be present for those first couple of months. And I'm sure it's common. I, I'm trying, I'm trying to give my, myself grace for that. But um, yeah, so that, that was, I think, hard for my, for my girls, because uh, even as I tried to rush into the future, and mostly mentally, um, my mom actually described it like this, that uh, like it's like you're a wagon and your girls are like these wheels on the wagon and the faster you pull, the more wobbly they get, you know? And so that was a great illustration for me to just kind of slow down, trust God, relax, actually grieve, miss your wife, you know, all those things. So that was one. The second actually started kind of right after I decided to own my grief. I think because I was so emotionally available to my girls, I actually developed like a codependent relationship with them. I'll never forget walking in one of my girls' bedrooms and just asking her if she was okay. She's in her bed, head's covered up and um, she won't talk to me. And I'm just like, Hey, like, is everything okay? And I'm just trying to get her to talk to me. And finally she, against all of her better judgment begins talking to me. And she says, dad, I'm having a hard time believing that God is real. And essentially she said, if he's real, I'm having a hard time believing that he's good. And I just learned a little bit about codependence, um, maybe a few weeks before that. And as soon as she said that to me, it was like, she was reflecting back to me in a mirror everything that was wrong with my parenting, that she could not trust that God is real, that God is good. And so instead of just being like understanding and patient, being like, baby, I get that. Like, I understand Like we've gone through a lot and just kind of sitting with her in that I actually got pretty annoyed and I didn't say anything to her, but I kind of stomped out of the room and 
I, I basically affected my attitude, which is really codependence, like allowing somebody else to impact how we respond, how we react. And we're trying to coddle them or trying to manage them. And I'm guessing that's very similar for anybody that's gone through um, the loss of a spouse, whether it be death or divorce or whatever. Like the reality is like you're having to compensate for what's been lost. Mm-hmm. And then you begin overcompensating. And then you begin feeling, taking it really personal when they're not reacting how you want them to react. And then oh, you start yeah. adjusting, you start adjusting yourself based on them. And so I would find myself even when they're sad, I'm sad. When they're mad, I'm mad. And I'm just like not being the adult in the room because mm-hmm. I'm just trying to like co-manage their feelings, which is never good. So anyway, I actually had to repent of that. And I remember, I remember actually that, that same night, Winter and I wrote a prayer together called She Is Yours. It actually became a book for parents of girls. And it's a prayer that basically ends, Lord, she is yours and I trust you with her. And it's a prayer of like giving our children back to God, giving our daughters back to God. And I literally took that prayer off the wall. I put that daughter's name on the back of it and dated it. And I was like, God, I'm giving her back to you. I'm no longer going to emotionally attach to her emotions. I'm going to be empathetic, but I can't be where she is. Like I have to be not where she is and trust you with her, that you can deal with her emotions and feelings and even her concerns about the fact that you're not real. Like you can deal with that God. And so that was the first day of kind of laying that down. I've done that every single time I've tried to pick it back up or pick them back up in that way um, since. Yeah, that's difficult because we are on our own healing journey and we're modeling that for our kids, but this journey is theirs and it's theirs with God. And so often I think when we are going through some emotional, emotional turmoil, we're concerned that we're not doing it right. And so we want to get in there and fix things or we want to get in there and say, no, you got to think this way about it or whatever. And we just have to trust that in this process, God, none of this was a surprise to God. God knew all of this. God has a plan for all of this in their lives. And the best thing that we can do is model trust rather than control in saying, you know, I can lay this down and give my life over and and the circumstance over and you can do it too. And you can be okay. And I think sometimes that wandering, I mean, like we said, our healing is not a straight line. So it's like for them, it's not going to be either. And as they, they will continue to try and make sense of these things. I mean, for decades, in yeah. ways that we do not. Yeah. And that was like the re- most recent hardest thing for me to understand is that their grief journey will be different than mine uh, in a lot of ways. And it'll, it'll unpack itself over time, probably in ways that mine can unpack faster. And mm-hmm. um, realizing that every single change that I make impacts them, which also can create more grief in them or stir up grief in them. That's really hard. Like that's really just one of the things, actually the first time I got angry, I didn't have, I didn't struggle with anger when winter passed away. It was never something that I had. And I think the first time I actually started to feel angry was when I realized that other people had expectations of me and my life based on theirs. And so Mm -hmm. like, think of the things like whether it be dating or whether it be a possible move to another place or whatever the thing might be like Mm -hmm. anything I do to impact their life or, um, uh, disrupt their life can be a, a catalyst to their grief journey. And the only thing I know about life is it can't stay the same. I said that earlier, it can't stay the same. And so how do I coach my girls? How do I parent them real, helping them realize life can't stay the same. So we have to keep moving while at the same time being compassionate. And that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah, for sure. But he equips us, right? Yeah, he does. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, he equips us in our weakness. So it's like, yep. rather than try to present myself strong and controlled, just present myself weak. And a lot of times for me with my girls, they're all teenagers, teenagers and pre-teenagers now. Like it's a lot of it look like honesty and letting them know where I am personally and just being really honest about that and praying together about it and seeking God about it. You know, that's good. That's good. You said something just now, you said that you have to be able to look towards the future with hope. Mm -hmm. And I want to note tangibly, how have you been able to model that for your daughters? 
Yeah, it, well, it, it can sometimes frustrate my daughters too, I think, because I, I kind of dream out loud. I'm kind of a visionary in certain ways. So in some ways, I'm just like talking to them about the potential future and all the different facets of it. And so like, for me, hope is actually, like I, I said the phrase, holy imagination before, like I feel like God gives me imaginations of lots of things that could be. And so I just mm-hmm. talk about those things out loud, me too. Dream, dream about those things out loud, mm-hmm. about their lives. Um, so a lot of it's just like, um, I think speaking positive about the future, like uh, Dr. Evans, my mentor, spiritual dad, so to say, uh, says that hope is joyful expectation of a better tomorrow. So I, I, I think I just really out loud live joyful expectation of a better tomorrow that God's got something really cool coming in lots of different ways in our lives. And I think I just try to model positivity in that. And, um, I think well about the past and how the past could impact the future. Like obviously winter passing away was horrific and terrible and tragic, so I think well about the past, but in thinking about well about the past, like even winter passing away and, you know, a lot of people say, well, God wouldn't cause that, but would God allow that? And you have all this language about that. And I just say, God's working all things together for good. So even like me being able to share my story and then Alina, my oldest daughter is a singer and she's writing songs out of a lot of it's out of deep grief. And so God's using that. So it's, all things are working together for good. I think I just try to really encourage them with like a holy imagination, but also in God's word that, that there's truth they can cling on to and hold on to. I love that word, holy imagination, because I think in any kind of loss, no matter how it arrived, as we said before, whether it's a death or divorce or something like that, kids do often go backwards and cling to the past because it's familiar. It's a thing they know. And the future now looks really scary because this thing happened that I was not anticipating. And I think the permission to dream, the permission Mm -hmm. to move on in the future, that is something that I know I wrestled with personally. And now though, being able to have the ability to look forward. And even if it's planning, oh, we should do this kind of trip together. Or what if life changed this way? My son even will say sometimes things like, he'll ask me about dating and things like that. And he'll say, I just like having more people in the house, you know, but to me, it just shows in his healing journey, he is okay with the fact that life is going to look different. And we can, we can imagine all the different ways that that could be, but then lay that in front of the Lord and say, okay, but God, we know that whatever version comes to be, you're in it and it's yeah. going to be even more than we could ever imagine. Yeah. And sometimes it's having to do that despite your emotions. I mean, like dating is a good example of one where it's just like the choice to date could cause pain, could cause hurt, could cause uncertainty for your kids. But I think being honest about your own uncertainty in that moment with them and helping them understand you don't feel perfect about it either, but ultimately that doesn't mean you're going to not ever do it again simply mm-hmm. because- yeah you know, it's scary. And that's, I mean, that, that really is, you know, winter died. I was 38 years old. My daughters were 14, 12. And my, or, yeah, my twins were no 14, 11 and my twins were nine and we could choose to stay 14, 11 and nine, or we can choose just to keep moving. Cause we literally can't stay that age. I can't stay 38. Like we all have to keep moving. And so I think us facing like, so even owning our story, like I said before, like us owning our story helps them be secure in theirs like owning our story is despite our own fears, like kind of walking into the future and embracing that. I had somebody say to me um, that me doing that will be the best sign to them that you actually can move on. Is them seeing me do it, even despite like knowing that it's scary and hard, you know? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. that's in lots of different facets. It's all, all areas of life. But I'd like to take a break from our conversation to tell you about this episode's sponsor, checkbv.com slash moms. Jonathan and I talk a little about dating in this episode, 
And I thought it would be a perfect opportunity to tell you about a tool that I have used to help me date safely. Been Verified is an online service that allows you to search public records on just about anyone so you can improve your own safety and the safety of your children as you start getting to know someone. I have found this super helpful in online dating because let's face it, the men you meet through a dating app are total strangers. The background reports you get from Been Verified are so helpful because they can show you things in a person's history that they might not exactly want to tell you about. You can find out things like if the person you're talking to has court records or a criminal history. It is so very easy to use and completely confidential. The people you run searches on are never, ever notified that you even looked them up. And even if you're not using it for online dating, it's great for checking out the safety of potential neighborhoods if you happen to be moving or thinking about setting up a carpool with other parents at school. As a single mom, I have definitely felt vulnerable. Been Verified has been such a crucial resource to protect both myself and my kids. Right now, if you go to checkbv.com moms, you can get 15% off a subscription that you can cancel at any time. And at less than $15 a month, it's incredibly affordable and definitely single mom budget friendly. I will have that link available for you in the show notes so you can take a closer look at Bin Verified to see if their service is right for you. So you have four girls. Mm-hmm. So I know from my, even just my own experience that parenting opposite sex children can be, can present some different types of challenges and circumstances and that kind of thing. So for me with my son, for example, I'm reading all these books about masculinity and making sure that he has male role models in his life, showing him things that I can't show him. I can't model mm-hmm. for him how a boy becomes a man and the things that he <laughs> needs to know, like it's just not on my radar. So for you being a dad of four girls, I'm sure this is something that was already on your mind, but now that it's you single dad raising these girls, how, what, what do you do in that situation? Yeah. Well, first I'm really glad. Um, and any, anybody listening that has a man in their life that um, has young girls right now. The thing I'm really grateful for is that I didn't wait until winter died to begin investing in my girls. Like when she died, I was really grateful that I had really good relationship with each of them and that I had an intimate relationship with each of them because it allowed me to be, to speak in their lives in ways and be in proximity with them in ways that wasn't unfamiliar or them thinking that I'm trying to get something new that I didn't already have with them mm-hmm. was there. Um, so, um, what was the question? <laughs> I'm, I'm going off on a tangent, but that I'm, I'm grateful for that. But yeah. what was the question again? Um, so basically, you know, so are now that, um, you know, they are continuing to get older and they're venturing more into those teenage years and you're a dad, they are girls. Are there things that you have to do or have had to oh, yeah. do to kind of, yeah. you know, meet them there? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm grateful. I, I said that uh, verse earlier that got to be a father to the fatherless and a mother to the motherless. And when he says that, he's not speaking about like some spirit in Never Never Land. He's actually speaking about his people kind of interjecting their life into others. And so one of the things I'm really grateful for, uh, when my when Winter died, the day of the funeral, my oldest sister, Carmen, said, hey, John, uh, God told me if, if you need me, I'm supposed to come from New Jersey to Nashville, where I was in the process of moving to with my girls even before Winter died. And I acted like I didn't need her. I'm like this type A pastor. I'm just like, I'm good. And I, I literally two weeks later, like burned a chicken. <laughs> and I went upstairs, I went upstairs in tears and called my sister, like, is that offer still on the table? And so 
she came and I don't, you know, I know this isn't everybody's story, but it is mine. God literally sent um, a surrogate, an aunt who became, you know, they used to refer to Carmen as Cece. And now two and a half year, almost two and a half years later, they refer to her affectionately just as Cece. And so I've been in her bedroom on her floor in tears as I've talked to her. They've been in her bedroom on her floor in tears. They've talked to her. She's got a master's in counseling. And so oh, for whatever wow, reason, awesome. yeah, for whatever reason, God gifted me with a helpmate. I've called her a helpmate. Like my sister has literally become a helpmate. She's never been married, never had kids. And she leveraged her life for the kingdom of God for my family. And I'll forever be grateful. Um, so many other people have come in though. Like just in town this week, um, my wife's aunt who had a hair salon taught Winter how to do hair. I mean, like literally Winter could do professional hair because this aunt taught her how to do hair. The year before Winter died, she closed her salon down, kind of retired and started working for an airline and now travels for free. So now since Winter died, she flies in at least once a month, most most of the time, two times a month. And she'll do my hair, my, not my hair. She'll do my girl's hair. And I have black girls and it's, you know, we're actually in an area that's not um, that diverse. And so finding people to do hair, it's super expensive to do black girl hair, mm -hmm. black girl hair. It's also time, time consuming. And so she did my girl's hair in my kitchen, all four of them within a 24 hour span for no money and didn't cost me any time. And so I just think God's really good to gift to things like, again, the discipline of celebration, like just thanking God for the things that he has done to make my life easier. Um, so many other women that have stepped in in different kinds of roles for my girls. I just had a, one of them. Um, my pastor's wife just literally texted me. was like, hey, can I talk to you about this one specific situation with this one daughter? Like just as a concern, not about my daughter, but about a circumstance. And the fact that she's reaching out to help me see something I probably don't see is really, really helpful to me. And so, yeah, I'm just really grateful for that. And I think if we look close enough and we put ourselves in community and in relationships of accountability, we will find that, you know, we just can't isolate ourselves. Um, so I'm glad that we're not isolated. 100%. Community has been my lifeline as well. I, my parents actually ended up moving here. I have a cousin who moved here. Wow. And it's like where my daughters don't want anybody. They will not let me brush their hair. They don't want me anywhere near them. <laughs> she comes over and brings a movie and popcorn. And it's like, oh right. yeah, you can braid our hair and do all this kind of stuff. And for me, it's great because I get to be just one of the girls in that instance. Yep. It's not me anymore being mom. It's me just getting to kind of join into the fun. And I mean, and that's a, that's a same sex type of a role modeling situation, but same thing happens with, you know, my dad and my dad being involved in my kids' lives, girls, mm -hmm. boys, whatever. It's just that those healthy role models. And I, again, we need those, whether we are single or not raising kids. Yeah. But I think when you have it as a single parent, you are so aware of how much it really does take a village to be able yeah. to raise your kids in yeah. the way that we want them to go. It's it's probably the most beautiful aspect of the kingdom I've been able to experience, you know, one of, one of the most beautiful in my life, but um, obviously in the last two years, there's nothing more beautiful than that. Like God literally caring for my girls in ways I could never do it. Like I could mm -hmm. never be a mom, like Winter was a mom. Yeah. But I can be the best dad I can be. And I'm thankful that he sent other women into their lives to be surrogates. That's awesome. Yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about um, Winter's ministry work and the things that she had underway that you have now carried, you know, kind of picked up the torch with as well. Um, her work focused a great deal on mothers and young girls. How has carrying on that legacy impacted you and your daughters in that process of grieving, but then moving forward also? Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, you talk about gifts. That was another gift for me the day that winter died. And I don't know, maybe 
not much long after 12, 24 hours later, there were, there wasn't a lot I knew. Like I didn't know cause we'd already bought a house in Nashville and sold our house in Dallas. And I'd taken a job in Nashville as a pastor, leaving the old job. But there were so many things that were uncertain, but one of the things I was certain about is I'm not going to allow her ministry to die. Like I'm, her ministry will carry on. It's a legacy worth keeping. And so, um, the hardest, one of the hardest things I've done since she died is continue that ministry, but it's been so fruitful and so beautiful. And God even sent surrogates into that. Uh, one of those, um, six months before Windsor passed away, we actually hired, took a risk and hired an editor in chief to run the magazine. She would work on three issues with Winter before Winter passed away. And she's still the editor in chief for the magazine and, um, several other people that came in to be involved. And it was a gift to me because it, it allowed me to honor Winter and even keep her, um, I don't know, her life alive in a way um, here. And so it's just been a beautiful thing to be able to do and honor her in that way. I think about Proverbs, Winter was a Proverbs 31 woman that basically leveraged all that she had for the kingdom and for Girls Like You magazine that she started, which was for, she did it for our girls. She designed and laid out this little magazine that was like a PDF document on a free Adobe InDesign software. She did that for our girls and God would multiply it and use it for lots, lots more girls. And now because of her obedience, there are thousands and thousands of girls that get to experience winter and her um her heart and her heart for god through the magazine and then her she's got lots of books out and all that and um yeah it's just been it's been just really beautiful to see and to be a part of and just to bear witness to how god will take our obedience and just bring so much blessing out of it for way more than just us yeah so really beautiful yeah i love that that fire just keeps burning yeah and you know, as, as you mentioned, there is the magazine for tween aged girls, which I think is so important as we are leading our kids into the future and our daughters into the future, that there are voices all over the place. As we just said through community, I kind of feel like this magazine is another voice of community in our daughters' lives to help orient them to who they are individually and where they're going in their lives. Is there a way that the content speaks specifically to girls maybe who are wrestling with issues of loss or difficult emotional types of issues as yeah. we are raising them in single parent households? Yeah. Uh, one of the, th- one of the, is- my favorite issue of all time was uh, the issue. So we were 80% done the, I guess it would have been the uh, September, October issue of 2018 when winter passed away and we scrapped all 80% and focused that issue in on grief and loss. And so the hardest thing to do when you're building something for girls that are age seven to 12 or something like that is one to speak to all those girls with the same voice. But the second is speak, speak to them in a way um, that is age appropriate for them. Um, but we've done that. That was winter's actually her real gift. Uh, you know, when, when I talked to her publisher, I talked to people in the industry, they say that winter's gift was a, the ability to talk to a little girl in the way that they need to hear. And almost as if you're talking just to them. So we tried to keep that alive. Um, in addition to that issue, we've also just really tried to wrestle with all the issues of our day. Um, we have my girl's counselor named Sissy Goff, who's an amazing counselor at Daystar Ministry. She actually is a contributor to the magazine. So she talks about anxiety, which is a big thing for girls these days, massive, probably the biggest issue with mm-hmm. young girls. Um, uh, we talk about grief and loss. And so she's actually a big part of that with her, with her contribution. Uh, we actually just did an issue on, um, call it race, call it reconciliation, just with all that's happened in the last couple months. The last issue was on, um, race. We actually featured the girl, little girl from Harriet, the movie, which was really beautiful. And Mm -hmm. we heard from all the little girls, um, little girls that are reading the magazine. So winter's goal was to 
expose little girls, regular little girls to other regular little girls that are doing big things for God in hopes that they might catch a vision for their own lives and the girls that are being featured. And so we just have a way of pulling girls in, pulling their stories in, allowing them to write. And our, our hope and prayer is that they'll identify with um, godly characteristics and um, uh, with truth that will resonate with them, even like not even realizing that they're ingesting truth. Because we, we, we call it a edutainment style magazine. So we want to entertain them. At the same time, we want to educate them, we want to disciple them and encourage them in their faith, regardless of where they are. And so our hope is that, you know, Winter was a little girl that grew up without her dad. Her dad was a drug addict, grew up with a single mom and a grandmom who lived in with them. And I think Winter was writing, she said something like this, but she was writing to the girl inside of herself that needed to hear the truth that it wasn't even like that she wasn't hearing it because her mom was a believer, but almost like just another voice of that truth in her life. And so she wrote to that little girl as she wrote to our girls. And now we try to continue that. I love that too, especially for this age demographic, because they are interested in things, for example, like American girl books and Mm -hmm. those sorts of things that are teaching values and character and those types of things, but not from a Christian perspective. And so I feel like this fits right into that space where they are already seeking out these types of stories, but they're real life stories from girls who they can identify with and say, oh my gosh, she's just like me. And these are the things that she's doing. And be that voice from a biblical and Christian perspective. Yeah. It's a, it's a great honor to gift. It's definitely a responsibility and uh, I don't take it lightly. And um, I just ask for anybody, uh, anybody listening just to pray for us as this single dad leads that uh, girl's ministry, but that's, that's been good <laughs> to send me all that I need to do it. But um, it's been a real joy. Well, we're glad that you're doing it. I think it's Thank important you. work. <laughs> Thank you. So Jonathan, I am so thankful for just all of the perspective that you've brought to this conversation. Before we wrap up, I ask every guest the same question at the very end. Okay. What is one thing that you think every single mom should know? I would say one thing that every single, every single mom should know is that, that where they are is no surprise to God. And so regardless of how it feels, regardless of how, um, your emotions roller coaster. The reality is where you are is no surprise to God and that he's with you on that journey. So I think that's a, that's a game changer when you realize that that was a game changer for me when I realized that. Um, so, yeah. Jonathan, I wonder if you would just tell us briefly again about the resources, how listeners can just connect with the ministry and keep in touch. Sure. Um, you can follow the ministry at forgirlslikeyou.com and all of our handles on social media are at forgirlslikeyou. So F-O-R, for girls like you. Um, me personally, Instagram is kind of my main deal, pittsjr26. Not the easiest name to remember, but pittsjr26. But you go to For Girls Like You, our handles or our website, you'll find me as well. If you're interested in learning more about For Girls Like You, you can head over to forgirlslikeyou.com. And Jonathan was so gracious to extend a coupon code for all of the Christian Single Moms podcast listeners. If you use coupon code AGAPEMOMS20, and that's all one word, you'll receive a 20% store-wide discount. That is good until it expires December 31st, 2020. As always, I'll have those resources on the website and the show notes. So you'll have access to all of the resources and discounts mentioned in this episode. Something I enjoyed about my conversation with Jonathan was the fact that him being a single dad and a pastor and me being a single mom, that a lot of us are going through these same things. And that while it can be difficult to take that first step into moving forward, that God is always there to meet us with hope. 
and that even when we waver, even when we make mistakes, or as I say, learn lessons the hard way, he never changes. And I know it is frustrating when the journey is not straightforward. And for me, the key to keeping hope alive has been to have compassion for myself the same way that God has compassion for me. I tend to beat myself up when I feel like I don't learn the lesson right away, or when things just seem so chaotic and disappointing that I can't even imagine how things are gonna look better. Hope for me has meant in those moments not shaming myself for having doubts and understanding that in that moment, rather than running away, God sees me, God wants to meet me in that, and that he is the one who restores my hope. I don't have to manufacture it all on my own. I'm so thankful you were able to join me today. We can keep the conversation going if you wanna follow along on social, Facebook or Instagram, at Agape Moms. I'm posting stories pretty regularly throughout the week, and very often I'm asking questions to find out what kinds of things would you like addressed with our upcoming guests. So I'd love to have you join me for that. As well, I want to thank you for your subscriptions and your reviews of this podcast. Not only does it help me to know how this podcast is ministering to you, but it's also a way that other women can see the hope and the sisterhood that's available here through the Agape Moms community and just find that place where they feel like they belong as they try to move forward as well. I'm praying that you found a little hope in this episode today as you continue on your journey, and I look forward to having you with me next time.